Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Terrace Talk. Norwich City hosts Sheffield Wednesday at Carrow Road in front of supporters. Uh, well, for Norwich, the first time since October. But um, if, if we're being realistic, probably the first time since March. Um, and Norwich City get welcome, or Norwich City fans get welcome back to Carrow Road with a Tony Pulis team. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Norwich City fan Andrew Kent and also the Wednesday Week podcast um, contributor and Sheffield Wednesday fan, uh, Dan Fudge. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, Andrew, we'll, we'll come We'll come to you first um, because you, you tell us a nice anecdote before we hit record about um, your living situation. I asked you if you're going to the game on, on Saturday and the answer for the reasons you, you'll make clear now is uh, is a resounding no. Yeah, um, so I live I live in Northern Ireland and have done since 2014. I was a season ticket holder up until that point, but my wife is from Northern Ireland, and we had our we had our first child in 2013 and moved here shortly after. Once uh, once it became apparent that it was going to be far easier to be be this side of the water and uh, for childcare reasons, but no season ticket holder for for 25 years. And um, since being here, I've been to probably on average about four games a year. Um, until, uh, well, March time, obviously for for the same reasons as everyone else. So um, I've, I, I get the a lot of people are sort of complaining they can't get to games and stuff, and um, so it's yeah, it's it's tough for for everyone. But it's good that everyone, well, two thousand are going to be back on on Saturday. Yeah, and we'll talk about the impacts of those fans a little bit later on. But since sort of moving to Northern Ireland and maybe having to follow Norwich City from afar, has that sign of changed the nature of your relationship with the club? Has it grown stronger? Some people find that when they move away, they actually become more invested in, in, in what's happening at Carrow Road because it kind of reminds them of home, I guess. Yeah, um, certainly. I, th- I have to say um, the stuff that, that the Pinkin does and a lot of the other Norwich podcasts, obviously you've got Along Come Norwich, you've got um, TNC as well doing some great stuff. Um, it's it's the things that I pick up on a lot and have done over the years. Um, it seems to, have, again, become a lot stronger in the last seven, eight, nine months, um, which is which is great. But no, my relationship with the club has always been, um, it's been my I want to say first love, but I know she's going to watch this when it goes out. <laughs> second love, honestly, second. Um, and yeah, watching, being able to watch games um, like last night on the red button, um, although the coverage was ro- ropey at best and the performance was even worse. Um, yeah, they, they just give you those those moments to kind of step away from from life and transport me back to a, to a place where I spent 25, I was going to say happy years, but... Norwich and it. it's not always happy <laughs> yeah absolutely Andrew there just uh, about maneuvering himself away from the doghouse for this evening so uh, so that's good um Dan thank you very much for for joining us um for, from a Sheffield Wednesday perspective and, and we'll dive into sort of the game um in in a moment um obviously Sheffield is is in tier three isn't it so you haven't been able to welcome fans back to to Hillsborough but there's a situation where they're going to be playing in a stadium where there are supporters so is it a positive as I mean we had a Coventry fan on last week who although they can't get to games at the moment at St Andrews um, did view it as a positive that, that there were going to be fans returning are you the same or is it kind of frustrating for you to see no I, I don't really know I, I, you know I, I've been listening to a lot of uh, websites uh, you know online things like uh, like TalkSport for example that are saying things along the lines of this is the first step going forward and if it means some get it and some don't then you know that so be it 
Uh, I don't think a thousand fans or two thousand fans or even four in some stadiums is going to make a world of difference. If I'm honest, I'm just really happy that there are people there. I'm a little bit disappointed. I think it was uh, it was Luton Town last night that didn't have the bars open, so I can imagine there being a fair few disgruntled fans uh, mm. operating in uh, in the, in the, in, the, in North London there. But um, but no, it, it, it's it's a great start. Uh, you, you know, we we have to start somewhere, and this this is where we start. I think it's uh, I think it's amazing that that we're we're starting to um, drip feed it in, as it were. Hmm. How how does it change the dynamic for an away team? Do you think? How will um and, and we'll get on to Sheffield Wednesday, your season. Obviously, Tony Pulis coming in, but from from his perspective, how will it change how he sets up and approaches it? Can you use it as kind of a us against the world sort of mentality when there is fans in the ground and none of which of your uh, none of which are, are your own i think us against the world is written on uh, tony pulis's head when he takes that cap off um <laughs> you know what i mean i don't think it'll make a world of difference it will have that us against them feeling because you know it, we're, we're the away team and uh you know no matter what ground we go to how many fans are there jordan Rhodes will still be rubbish <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to, we'll come back to that man in in, in a little while um andrew I'm, I'm afraid we are gonna have to touch upon um wednesday's defeat against luton town for norwich 3-1 loss um look it's it's hard as, as i mentioned in in my video verdicts um last night it's hard to be overly critical given the injury list that they do have at the moment but this mm. looked like a game just too far for norwich city at the moment didn't it it did um I think the <laughs> actually done. Um, I think there's there's a couple of points I want to make on last night. Firstly, um, yeah, obviously we're, we're down to the bare bones and everyone's aware of that. Um, and I don't want to be all Paul Lambert about that one. Um, but I think Saturday's game against Coventry um, and last night, the the sort of lack of substitutes. And I know traditionally Fark has been. Um, Lambert for his lack of substituting before, say, the 75th, 80th, 80th minute. Um, this season, he's been good and he's been proactive and it's it's helped. Um, but I think in the last two games, they've both been crying out for for changes, freshening up um, lads that are really sort of busting themselves because they know they're the only ones in the team um, and going to be for the foreseeable. Um, I think uh, Omotoy coming on with five minutes to go was a real, um, real shame. I think... Bringing Zimmerman on for Buendia was baffling at best. Um, but, yeah, I suppose on the whole, it was a game too far. I, I don't think the back four covered themselves in any glory. I don't think Michael McGovern covered himself in in, in any glory either. Um, and he would, for me, would be a real worry going forward. Um, but hopefully Saturday... Pookie's back, which I think will make it well. Hopefully, Pookie's back will make it make a huge difference to the forward play, which I thought was um, it was a bit stagnant last night. To be honest, we we looked very toothless, um, very congested, no real width from from Aaron's even um, who you normally rely on to get get forward and get wide. Didn't really seem to do that last night. So, um, yeah, on the whole, I suppose there's a mitigating circumstances but when you looked at that side you still thought there's enough there to to beat Luton who admittedly played played really well and looked like a side that had been scolded after being beaten 4-0 in Cardiff on Saturday 
Mm, let's let's talk about those those substitutions that, that you talk about, or maybe the lack of. Um, look, Daniel Farker is is a coach. I think throughout his time at Norwich, there's there's a lot of things you could maybe throw in his direction, but being someone that doesn't give opportunities to young players, I don't think necessarily is is one of them. Um, right. Is it about protecting those players at the moment? Because obviously we know how Norwich City do things. The the sort of youth players that they have high hopes for, they're all out on loan. So these are players either learning their trade, learning the style of football or are at the club for sort of um, their, their own development, really. Is it about protecting them? And uh, I guess on the, on the flip side, there's an argument to be made that, look, if this is the squad let's say until January, which feasibly it could be with the exception of maybe a few coming back from injury, then Daniel Farker has to utilise that, particularly in such a, a an intense schedule. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the hardest thing to take with the last two games and him not using the young lads on the bench is if this was under previous managers, say Alex Neal, Lambert, maybe a few others, you'd maybe understand why the young lads haven't come off the bench. I think when... You've got a coach like Farker who has put such trust and faith in Aaron's and Lewis and Godfrey. Um, then you think, well, he's 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 going to drop these lads in and give them a, a fair crack, especially when we're down to the bare bones. You can see players getting tired. You can see, even you can see it's not working. I think that was more of it last night. It wasn't necessarily that they all looked completely exhausted and we were clinging on to a 1-0 lead. We were 3-1 behind. We barely created anything. And I know the stats tell another story, but we didn't create a decent chance last night. Um, so I think that's probably where a lot of people can't get their head around it. Is this is a guy who's put such faith in the young lads and Omatoy um, and Dixon Peters have been, been talked up. Um, probably not to the glow in terms of a Max Aaron's or a Jamal Lewis or a Ben Godfrey. Um, but I felt last night, around about it, probably even 60 minutes it was there was nothing happening chuck a couple of them on what's the worst that can happen yeah absolutely and i feel it, it kind of got to a stage where they just needed to maybe to, to rest some legs uh december <laughs> the club posted a graphic um yesterday of, of all the games in in december and it's it's absolute madness really um dan let's let's come to you then um one one draw with with reading on, on wednesday um Talk us through that because I've seen uh, I have a fair few Reading voices on my social media. Um, maybe felt quite hard done by after that. From a from a Wednesday perspective, um, how, how do you reflect on on that? Was it a, a point gained as far as you're concerned? Well, you know the, the, the Reading feedback that we've had in terms of the videos that have been put onto social media and things like that has always been uh, a lot of them have been exasper exacerbated. I mean, have you, have you ever had a, a player sign and there's been a uh, a YouTube video of their greatest hits. And you're like, well, I could do a video like that that made me look like Premier League quality. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I blame Owen Hargreaves for that. But, you know, they, they they do have a right to be aggrieved on a couple of occasions. But then again, so does Sheffield Wednesday. I'd have never said that was a sending off last night. Um, it, you know, he, he got the ball and then uh, the momentum carried him through, which uh, I believe now they call dangerous play. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a 40-year-old man, grew up in the 80s in Yorkshire. Uh, you know, dangerous play wasn't a phrase that existed uh, when I was playing football. I, th I think I remember playing in a way Dane Barnsley and uh, the referee screaming at me, no offsides on a Sunday. So, you know, the, ga the game's changed, the game's moved on and, and you know, I, I have to uh, I have to deal with it and so do uh, so are the Reading fans. Um, but as far as the game last night, it was a, it, once again, 
a textbook Tony Pulis uh, game. I uh, I can't express to you my sheer abject disappointment on getting Tony Pulis uh, in the hot seat at Sheffield Wednesday. I'm uh, I'm genuinely really upset about it. I uh, I felt that we were in a false position because we got caught cheating, and then we got given six points back. Um, Gary Monk did have to go because the the last two managers we've had. Uh, after Carlos Cavallo took us to um, took us to the playoffs twice, have been dreadful. They, you know, they, they, the football's been poor. The uh, the attacking quality's not been there. The signing, the recruitment has been absolutely dreadful. And then we uh, we got a uh, we got a new appointment in Josh Lukai, who uh, who looked like a cross between you know Freddie Mercury's dad and Droopy the dog, uh, who had the you know had the you know the the, the personality of a potato. And um, and his best result for Sheffield Wednesday was getting nil nil draw with Sheffield United. You know what I mean? Pardon me if I don't start doing the parades in the street just yet. Mm. Um, and then uh, Josh went, and then we you know we had Gary Monk, and uh, started out very well. You know, I'm I'm surprised there's not a Sheffield Wednesday podcast called Third at Christmas. And um, and then we lost to Stoke on Boxing Day, and I've never seen such a change in form, and we never got it back. And so uh, so I thought here we have an opportunity now. To uh, to start again with the new with the new season and all and all the rest of it, and um, and I, I was encouraged by the uh, by the recruitment. You know, getting in players like Izzy Brown, um, who, who who was at Luton last season. I thought oh, that's a great signing. But then we uh, we we signed Che Dunkley, um, who is um, made of Lego, and uh, and or and or Papadon. I, I don't know. He's made of something. Um, and then, and then we've got uh, we've got Dean Windass, who uh, who's yeah, Josh Windass. Sorry, it's uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty five years ago. Yeah, we got uh, we got Josh Windass, who um, who is a threat in terms of his goals per game ratio. You know, he's, he's been very good, but he uh, he got sent off for uh, for kung fu kicking somebody in the head. Uh, against uh, against Preston the other week, so um, you know, it, it's just it's a Tony Pulis affair. We're just we, our, our best player with the ball is Barry Bannon, and our biggest issue that we've got with Barry Bannon is that it comes very deep to get the ball from the defenders because everything has to go through Barry, and if you neutralise him, we're done. Or he drops deeper and deeper. Um, that's a big issue of ours. So having Having a player that's so good with the ball who can really ping a ball ac- across the field, it's uh, it's really frustrating to watch him stood between the centre backs. Or now Tony Pulis has taken over, stood there getting neck ache. Mm. So, um, you know, then there needs to be a change in attitude because we've played three games under Tony Pulis and we have had brace yourself three shots on target. Yeah, I, I was I was actually going to quote that statistic to you in terms. I mean, you mentioned abject. It, it kind of feels a, a little bit like that. And um, before we, uh, we'll get onto Tony Pulis a, a bit later. And, and I mean, you've kind of expressed your feelings. But in terms of Sheffield Wednesday generally, I know there will be a lot of um, Norwich fans watching this, listening to this, thinking Sheffield Wednesday, massive club, um, probably shouldn't be at the level they're at if, if we're being realistic. Um, what has gone wrong, and maybe we don't have enough time in, in, in this particular show to, to describe it, but in, in terms of um, the club, and it feels like they've, they've kind of lurched between managers and, and um, maybe the ownership hasn't been the most stable, although he's, he, he seems to have put a lot of money in the club. Why hasn't it quite worked out in, in the last few years, in a nutshell, I guess. 
Well, um, when we had Milan Mandaric in charge, he rescued our club. He assumed a lot of the debt. He steadied the books and then made us a sellable asset. You know, here's a here's a club that's uh, that's been referred to many times as a sleeping giant, just like yourselves have in in the past. Mm. You know, and um, so he, he sold us to uh, Thai fisherman um, Depon Chansiri, who is, for all intents and purposes, John West. That's written on the side of the tuna packets. Um, the guy's not short of a few quid. So we mm. thought, here we go, kids. This is happening. Premier League football, here we go. And then Carlos Cavallo came in out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, we'd never heard of him. And then he turned up and took us to a playoff final. Then the year after, took us to um, the playoffs against Huddersfield. And then the uh, the third season, how he got a bite of the cherry, a third bite of the cherry to try and take us up again, I, I found astounding. Um, now, since then it's become very apparent that Dapon Chansiri isn't a football guy and uh, tries to work on things like uh, rely on people's honour and their integrity and all these other, you know, Eastern phrases that come out. Now, we know that football just isn't like that. It's full of some, you know, underhanded people. And um, and I think he's just he's just coming to terms with that. For example, we, we set up a, uh, a board, a footballing board, and uh, part of that board was uh, Glenn Roder, the old West Ham manager and uh, QPR defender from... Norwich manager, yeah, 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 and uh, <laughs> and he was uh, and he was eyeing up getting the job uh, for, for all intents and purposes, but because uh, because we then got in Josh Lukai and not Glenn, he then left. You know what I mean? So his job was just a, a jobs for the boys. You know what mm. I mean? So and then we had a CEO uh, in Catri and Mare who was at um, Charlton for a bit, and I think she's now moved on to uh, to Belgium. And uh, she was great. You could. She was one of those big, powerful, scary women. You know the ones that blokes are afraid of. Uh, you know, <laughs> she was great. One of big Angela Merkel. Yeah, she was like Karen Brady, but ten years younger. Like, you know what I mean? You'd be like, yeah, wh- whatever you say. You know what I mean? <laughs> one of them. And um, and I really liked her. And you could really tell that she was getting frustrated because to bring this full circle, what we found out is that the chairman was having a controlling influence in literally every decision that was getting made. How much do the cigarette lighters with an owl's badge get sold for in the club shop to who makes the kit? And, mm. you know, uh, we used to have these football fun days that, uh, that used to take place on a Saturday where the kids would play five-a-side. They'd set up a bar in the car park. You know, what what you refer to in, uh, in the NFL at Wembley as a fan zone. You know what I mean? We used to have those. They all went when when uh, when Catherine went. So... Um, it seems that because Dapon wants such a controlling influence in literally every decision and him not spending his time in the UK as much as we'd like, we are uh, we're starting to lose ground on our competitors quite significantly. And then now we've tried to find loopholes to get around the, uh, the FFP and look at us now, starting the season 12 points adrift. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an intriguing situation, certainly from the outside. Um, Andrew, I, I think Glenn, Glenn Road is certainly a name that sends uh, shudders down Norwich City fans' spine, and I, I think everyone will uh, will say, uh, from a Norwich City perspective, that, that Sheffield Wednesday probably got off lightly there, right? Danny dodged a massive, massive bullet by not giving the guy the job. He he couldn't run a bath. Um, he borderline destroyed us um, back in 2009. And it was only for the grace of 
well, I was going to say Paul Lambert, but it seems a bit wrong saying that now. But yeah, Paul Lambert, Ian Culverhouse, I think I'll shout out. And I'm sure a lot of people watching this will will back that up. Um, and then Dida and Michael and David McNally at the top of the club that that saved us. But yeah, you've, you've not not given him the job um, and given it to the guy who had the personality of a potato was probably the best move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of Norwich City fans will, will echo Andrew's thoughts. Um Andrew, let's let's talk about the striking situation at the moment at Norwich. Obviously, Timmy Puki, Jordan Hugo, Adamida, currently all out. We filming this ahead of Daniel Farker's pre-match press conference on Friday. So, although Timmy Puki is expected to return, that's not absolutely one hundred percent certain as of yet. Um, what do you make of of that situation? Because it's fair to say, not just in terms of having a lack of a striker, but I felt in in general, Norwich City looked fairly toothless against Luton on Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to reference a tweet I put out last Friday when it became apparent that Pookie was going to be out there at uh, under 12s. I scored 38 goals in one season. Um, that would have been back in 96. But I still feel I've got a little bit of that in me. So if Daniel is watching and, and wants to transport me over from Northern Ireland, I'm, I'm well up for it. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I, you, you mentioned it there and you'd also said it in your verdict that we, we look toothless and um, the runs that Pookie makes, not just for himself, but for creating spaces for Buendia and Steeperman and whoever's playing behind him is is a huge part of our game. Um, without him, um, without Hugel, who hasn't been able to do that, again, I think I'm plagiarising from what you said in your verdict, but... Um, without him, who hasn't been able to do that, but is obviously a natural striker and the same with Ida. Um, last night with uh, Poeta up front, it, it didn't work. Um, Steeperman up there, again, doesn't work. He wants to drop deep. Um, so I think we know how Daniel Farker's press conferences seem to go at the moment. There always seems to be another injury or a, a lengthening of an injury Um Hopefully, he says the magic words that Puki is back. Whether he be fit enough to start is another matter. I think it's a risk with a hamstring to throw someone straight back in, but we kind of need him. So it's it's a bit of a chicken and egg. Do we do we risk playing him and potentially losing him, or do we risk playing him on the basis that we know that of what he'll do and the link he has with Buendia more than anything else? I think those two, when they link up, there's no better pairing, if you like, in, in this division. And um, we've seen that against Bristol City. We've seen it against Stoke. Um, so, yeah, we, we need him back without him. Um, I personally, if would play um, or, Dix, or Dixon Peters up there, I think a natural striker would work better. Um, I also think the three or four behind need some time out of the squad. I think Josh Martin last night looked a bit like a lad who played three games in a week when he's not used to playing probably more than one game every couple of weeks for the for the 23s. So, um, yeah, I think we we need Pookie and prayer mats need to be out in every Norwich household. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think if, if he's fit, he plays, right? And if there's, even if you get 60 minutes out of him, you, you would hope that Norwich can get themselves into a position where maybe then it becomes easier to introduce a young lad for the last half an hour or whatnot. But as, as Dan has outlined and as Norwich fans will know, this is a Tony Pulis side coming to Carrow Road. It is going to be about how Norwich City can break down Sheffield Wednesday. Having someone like him and, and someone like Emi Buendia is, is going to be crucial 
if we look at this match and, and, and maybe how it's going to pan out, because I don't think it's, it's any surprise how Tony Pierce will set his side up on Saturday. No, um, I was interested to hear what Dan said about uh, Tony Pulis. Um, we're, we're all waiting. Oh, we'll, we'll get uh, that. Don't worry. Well, he's already kind of alluded to it, but um, I follow a few Wednesday fans on on Twitter, and I think the the, the opinions on him were were pretty unanimous in that there was there was not a lot of happiness when when he got the job. I myself was a little bit surprised. Um, I thought they might go down a down a different route. I think. <laughs> Possibly the situation that they're in, and, and Dan can sort of cover this better, but I think maybe the situation that they're in leads to Pulis getting the job because he's a safe pair of hands. He'll keep make a team solid, make him hard to beat. They're in a relegation fight, so you want that side of it. Um, and I look, at the, I look at the squad and I look at the team that was put out last night and I thought, possibly under a more adventurous manager, that's a dangerous side. Um, now I don't know. Obviously, didn't watch the game because I was watching our game, unfortunately. But um, they they look to me like there is a there is potential there. Um, but obviously, the manager's going to do what he does. So um, I think we know that yeah, they're going to be tight. They're going to be hard to break down. Um, they're going to be direct. They're going to be dangerous from set pieces, which um, everybody is against Norwich. Um, and that probably fills me full of fear the most, the set pieces, the long balls into the box. Um, McGovern last night, I think I'm right in saying this anyway, didn't take anything cleanly, balls into the box, shots. There might have been one shot in the first half he took cleanly, but the rest were sort of pushed out in front of him. There was a cross in the first half towards the end of the first half that he dropped. That was my three-year-old son could have caught it. Um, So have a have a sort of a, a deep fear that although Dan's kind of talked them down and um, if Shea Dunkley plays because he's made a Lego and Papa Dom's, um, Pookie will probably run rings around him. But if they throw balls into the box and play Pulis ball, um, then it might be a level playing field or tip in their favour, unfortunately, which I don't like saying, but it's it's just kind of where we're at at the moment. Yeah, defending set pieces, I think, is, is going to be a... A really important topic on on Saturday, especially given Michael McGovern's lack of physicality. Um, right, Dan, I'll I'll just say the words Tony Pulis, and and I'll hand over <laughs> and I'll hand over to you. I'm uh, I'm absolutely gutted. I, I'm I'm devastated. We, you know, we we've had some exciting managers over the time I've been a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and uh, it seems like a four to one ratio. You know what I mean? For every Carlos Cavaliol, there's a Tony Pulis, or there's three Tony Pulises. There's a Josh Lukai and a Gary Monk, like. Um, I feel that because of the statistic that Tony Pulis seems to get bandied around every time he takes a job in, uh, he's never been relegated. Well, right? You know what I mean? I've never been set on fire, but I, you know, I don't get any headlines. Do you know what I mean? Like, like what? That, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a win. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's the chairman panicking. Hey, we might go down here with this uh, it, then 12-point deficit. Um, so we're going to need to uh, steady the ship. But then I think the day before we gave him the job, we got six points back because we're only half-cheating, apparently. So, um, so, But we'd already rolled the dice on a, on a manager that would keep us up. And I don't doubt he'll keep us up. Um, I, I still feel that Sheffield Wednesday are in a false position. Um, 
that do I see us picking up three points here and three points there? No, I think we're just going to draw every game until the end of the season and hope that's good enough and hope that Derby is still gashed by the end of the season. Um, I... I can't. I, I can't seem to understand what, how, in a time when the the fans were so disengaged with the club and so disengaged with the chairman and how is how is operating proceedings, um, we get in somebody that is 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 essentially a punchline across across the football world right now. His brand of football died ten years ago. It went. It changed. Football has moved on. As I've been alive, you know. We all wanted to be Maradona and Gary Lineker, and we wanted to beat a player and take him on. Then the 90s, everybody wanted to be David Beckham and whipping the crosses in like Rivaldo. And then, um, and then Jose Mourinho came along and changed the formation and changed football, uh, you know, after Wenger did in the 90s and all the rest of it. And we are now so far past the line where Tony Pulis was. To quote from friends, that line is a dot to him. And I don't know how we are going to move forward and score a goal from open play because I think the, the goal we scored against Reading was our first goal in open play since the opening day of the season. You know, you guys sat there talking to me now about um, defending set pieces. That's music to my ears because we have got no threat whatsoever in the box or in and around the box in order to try and score a goal that's not a free kick, a corner, a penalty because it's it's poor the, the the football we're playing is poor and it's a complete misuse of the uh, of the players that we have you know we've got we've got Barry Bannon who can who can spread a ball but like i said earlier he's going to get neck ache we've got Izzy Brown who can really break up play a really intelligent footballer but again the ball's going to bypass him we've got um we've got Liam Palmer uh, who's uh, who has been a much maligned figure in a Sheffield Wednesday shirt, but over the last two or three seasons has really come into his own. Broke into the Scotland squad, who have just qualified for the Euros, and has and has been finding these crosses in for the strikers in Scotland and, and for ours um, more than he ever has done before. But again, he's going to be on right-back duty. You know what I mean? Full on. That's, that's what it is. So I, I feel that we're just going to just... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll edit the phrase. I'll change the vowels. We're just going to shot house our way to staying up, and um, and it's and it's quite it's a, it's it's horrible to watch. And I I don't want to go into a third season going. It's just a consolidation season. We're just consolidating because I'm bored of consolidating. I want to win every game five four. Get me Kevin Keegan from 1995 in rather than Tony Pulis. I don't care. Let's let's just at least try and excite somebody because we seem to forget, you know, as fans we feel like we own part of the club and it's and it's part of the community and, and all this. And Ketri Mayer, who I mentioned earlier during her time at, at Charlton, referred to uh, football fans as customers, and that's what we are. We are customers to an entertainment business, and getting Tony Pulis in is is booking a working men's club singer instead of Liberace. Wow. Uh, so, so as you can see there, Dan clearly on the fence about uh, the Tony Pulis <laughs> appointment. Um, let's, I, I want to ask you about uh, someone else. Obviously, Norwich fans know him well. Jordan Rhodes. Um, you, you've kind of said at the top of the show maybe how his Sheffield Wednesday career has gone. But he's, he's really loved in these parts, as I'm, as I'm sure yep. you're aware, for that, for that loan spell a couple of years ago. Um, it, it's fair to say what Sheffield Wednesday spent, what, £10 million on him? Hasn't quite lived up to that price tag and maybe isn't such a popular figure at, at Hillsborough. It, it's such a shame because you know every um, every piece of media you see about him, he, he looks like the nicest guy in the world. 
when he starts his interviews with his high-pitched, yeah, you go, oh, bless you. You want to put your arm around him. You want to give him a cuddle. You want to say, come here, Sonny. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But we're, we've now had him for best part of four years now. And um, and we've had nothing from him. He's had four managers. He's had he's had times to um, to uh, re get his shirt back essentially. And there was one day, two seasons ago, where uh, Jordan Rose turned up away at Forest and scored a first half hat trick. And we went, "Is he back?" I, I didn't get the email. He's back. Jordan Rose is back. Everybody, don't panic. It's all right. We're going to win the league. And uh, we never saw him again. And we never saw that player again. Um, I think he actually went to went on loan to you guys at the back end of that season, um, mm. where he scored about two or three goals, I think, in, in about eight appearances from the bench. Um, so it, it, it's, it's devastating. I've never wanted it to work so much um, with Jordan Rhodes as I ha- have done with any other player. But I'm afraid he's a shadow of the player he was. And what is he? He's only 28, 29. He's only a young kid. But um, but in Blackburn, Huddersfield, and in, uh, in East Anglia, he's uh, he's a very favoured. Uh, you know, they like him out there. But as far as we're concerned, in Sheffield, you can have him back if you want. Well, I know I know Norwich definitely tried uh, to to get him back, and there was obviously the war of words between Stuart Webber and and, and Sheffield Wednesday's owner. And um, I, I know maybe they're they're not particularly huge fans of each other. We'll, we'll, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Um, Andrew, let's let's come come to you then. Um, what what are you expecting from from this Saturday's game, and how do you feel Norwich City should approach it? Let's go on the basis. Timmy Puki is is fit because we like to be positive. Um, how how do you assess this one for Norwich City? Firstly, I'm hoping that we somehow kidnap Jordan Rhodes and put him on our bench rather than Sheffield Wednesday's bench. But um, no, I go, I go back to what I said earlier. I'm, I'm very fifty-fifty on it. It's the positives will be Farker tomorrow around about this time or whatever time his press conference says. Timu Puki's fit, um, so we know that he'll start. That will give us the attack and age that we need. Um, however, I'd also like him to say that Michael McGovern has picked up an injury, which is horrible to say, but it would help. Um, I don't think there'd be any harm in throwing Daniel Barden in, in the sticks um, because, as we've alluded to earlier, and Dan said, they they obviously target set pieces. It's, it's going to be their main threat. We're incredibly weak on set pieces um, and with McGovern in the sticks trying to play the way that we play. Um, if, they're, if they've done any research on last night, they'll know that they've just got a press like Luton did when McGovern gets the ball and when Hanley and Gibson um, get the ball and there's, there's chances to be had there. So I know Dan said he wanted to win every game 5-4. If we've got Pookie, and if we defend like we have done in the last two or three games, you might get your five four down. You really might. <laughs> I think you, you and I have some proper ding dongs, don't we? I think I think there was one season. It was last year. You absolutely battered us, and then we had a five one the year before. We have some great games. We've had some really good ones over the years. So if we com- combine the two winning scorelines and have like a nine goal thriller. Oh, I'll be all right. If I'm going to put money on it now, bear with me, kids. Stay, stay yeah. on the line. <laughs> there you go. There's, there's a question for anyone watching. Has Tony Pulis ever had a nine-goal thriller? If, if he has, then, um, then, then we'd, we'd like to hear about it. Um, Andrew, just as, uh, let's, let's, let's wind this down then. Um, how, how do you 
let, let's have your sort of score prediction and, and, and maybe how you see the, the, the game going from, from that perspective. Um, if you're going to give me Pookie up front and McGovern in goal, 3-2, possibly. And that's with a bit of luck and them letting in more goals than they probably should under Zony Poulos. If... Pookie doesn't start, and it's McGovern in goal. I I sadly think we probably get beat by a couple. Interesting, um, Dan. Same for you, really. How, how do you see this game going, and uh, and what you feel in terms of score prediction? A, a draw, possibly. It's going to be nil nil or one all. That's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. There's, there's going to be nothing else. There's going to be a point where we're going to go oh, and we'll score in the first ten minutes from. A, you know, a corner set piece one from the training ground and then we're going to uh, defend for 90 minutes and attempt well, for, or for the remaining 80 or 75 and then attempt to try and keep you out for so long. And when you've got strikers like Timo Puki, um, then, you know, I can't see Tom Lees and um, D- Dominic Iorfa keeping that up. Interesting. Um, I, I, I was trying to think, um, I read a, but I'm pretty sure it was Steve Claridge's, but um, it was someone's book. And it was um, basically about when Tony Pulis came in as manager. And he said the first training session, he put cones in probably each corner roughly and said, and lined all the players up and said, right, you're going to hit balls into that corner. That's that's how we're going to play. So um, that, that sort of sums him, <laughs> sums him up, doesn't it? Um, gents, thank you very much for, for joining me. Dan, I don't know if this was if this was helpful to you or not, but um, <laughs> hopefully... It was, yeah, I feel it was like great. it's therapy. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like I've got a lot off my chest. You know, I have my own podcast, but, you know, they're, they're all agreeing with me. You know what I mean? I feel like I've expanded my um, my opinions on Tony Poulis to a, uh, to a bigger audience, which I'm very happy with. There, well, there you, go. there you go. And we're very happy to have you on. So, so thank you very much, um, gents. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, thank you very much for for watching. Um, let's see your score, score prediction down below. How do you see the game going on? Of course, make sure you leave it a like. Head to pinkin.com for all the latest Norwich City news and views. We'll be at Carrow Road on Saturday um, for this one. Stay safe. See you soon.